0: What's up? This is Brandon London and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants.
1: Good evening, happy Saturday. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Andy's Man Club. Lads, it's okay to talk. Uh, This time we are 100% British, but absolutely, as always, still 100% Giants. Uh, Kev's on his travels again, this time in Nashville. Um, So it's Dan, Shane, and producer Craig back to break down what went wrong uh, as Big Blue yet again lose a primetime game um, to leave Daniel Jones with a one and eleven record in nationally televised games. Uh lads, one and two with a mini buy coming up. How are we doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Um Phil, we're doing it on a Saturday night. by something new, something we've not done before, but I mean, you know, dog, I went to the Albion game so that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it. I've got college college football on in the background. I'm talking joints football with you guys. The Saturday nights get much better.
2: No, no. I mean, everything's finished for me. Nice little Leeds win earlier, the Reading game we won't talk about. But um, yeah, Saturday's a bit of a strange one to be on. But, you know, it didn't make sense to to leave it much longer. Uh, that's on, on Thursday night and two pods a week now. It's, you know, thick and fast. I think we were talking just before, Dan, did we say the third episode in
1: five days? Three in five days, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, what more can you ask for a Giants fans? You've heard this is the third time you've heard us in the last five days. I mean, we're loving it. So you must be as well. Um, It's it is strange being on on a Saturday night, but it's. I mean, the only the only thing the only thing you could want more is uh, coming off the back of a Giants win, really. So, you know, it's it's, it's it's a pretty good evening so far. I've got United Burnley on to the side of me while I, while we're doing this as well. It's currently 0-0, which is rubbish. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a good weekend. It's a good Saturday evening. So, yeah, looking forward to getting into the San Fran game and uh, talking all about what went right and... Ultimately, what went wrong as well. Uh, before we get into the game, though, coming up in just four small little weeks, uh, we've got our big London meetup up at Sports Bar and Grill in Marleybone uh, for the Washington Commanders game. If you plan on coming along, let us know. Um, slide into our DMs, and we'll put your name on a short list. If your name's on the list and you do come and do attend, you'll be entered into a draw to win yourself either some sweet pod match or a gift vouchers to use on USA Sports. Uh, and On that note, don't forget usasports.co.uk. Use the code BIGBLUE to get yourself 15% off your entire order. Done. On to week three then. So, we went into week three off the back of that impressive win uh, against Car- uh, Carolina, against Arizona on, uh, on Sunday. And not just that win, but that impressive comeback win. Uh, biggest comeback win like we said since 1949 for the Giants so you know we were on a bit of a high especially after the week one debacle that was the Cowboys game and we knew that a short week mix of injuries to key personnel including Barkley, Thomas, Ben Bredesen, um, it would make for a, a tough arse going up against one of the league's most complete teams in San Francisco and well the result was one that we all expected because we all picked um, San Francisco to win the game but um, You know, 30 to 12, it finished final score. Um, And realistically, I think my first reaction to the game, I'll say, was I think it flattered San Francisco. But then the more I've seen and the more I've watched of the game, I think actually, you know what, it's probably about that right. The the score was a a fair reflection of of the game as a whole. Um, (laughs) The game was lost when uh, Debo Samuel caught a 27-yard touchdown pass and Brock Birdie was 6.05 left to go in the fourth. It made it a three-score game and ended all hope of us coming back and potentially winning the game improbably, like we did last Sunday against Arizona. Um, and Samuel was one of the nine stand-up players as well. Finished the night with 129 yards on six catches and that touchdown as well. We'll get into the issue in more detail depth shortly but it's telling that 78 of those yards came after the catch um, which seemed to be a big problem with yards after the catch and yards after contact on the ground as well in the last three prime time games the giants have been outscored 108 and 19 and are now 1 and 11 in the last 12 games on prime time tv like i said shane there must have been some good things to come out of the game shortly
0: um, there there was a couple of things, not not much, but um, yeah, there's a couple of things we can kind of take a positive from um, and we'll, we'll start with the offence, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Dallas on our first drive, we looked pretty good and we didn't look too bad this time either and I suppose you could consider it was good because we kicked a field goal, whereas last time it was blocked, so you know, there's improvement there Um. You know, 49 yards on 12 plays. Probably was as good as it got for the offence on the night, but we'll come into that shortly. And speaking of the offence, I'm sure we'd all agree it was great to see Wandale finally back on the field, obviously uh, coming back from his ACL that he had last year our second round pick. Um, and to be honest, he, he didn't do much. He didn't have much chance to do anything really. But, um, you know, five targets, four receptions, 21 yards. Can't really grumble at that, you know, he's quite consistent and um, it's going to be interesting to see how he's sort of used going going forward as well. Um, The one thing to watch was, though, that he did look a little unstable on his feet after taking a shot to the back of the head on the first catch of the game. Um, He did carry on playing, but you never kind of know. All of a sudden, well, well, I mean, look at Darren Waller, the week in training. He was in training all week, and all of a sudden, he was questionable. So, you just never know how these kind of things can just turn into something a bit more. So, that'll be one just to keep a, a cheeky eye on. Um, and other than that, it's kind of hard to find any more um, positives. So, I mean, Paris Campbell caught all six of his targets, but it was only for 24 yards, um, apparently 0.5 yak, which. He's pretty bad considering we brought him in to be that yards after catch kind of boy. Um, You know, our mate Gary, let's not forget about him. Obviously, Saquon's out um, and obviously Matt is going to take the ball of the, the workload. But, you know, Brightwell was quite good as a third down back. Uh, 31 yards on two receptions and 22 of them was after the catch as well. So, you know. We, we were yeah, a massive believer. If you're not aware of our mate Gary, and you know it's good, good to see him getting snaps and kind of doing something. You'd like to see him doing a little bit more, but you can only do um what you can with whatever opportunities that you kind of get. And obviously, if we flip it onto the the defensive side of the thing, the side of the ball, um, obviously last Sunday Arizona, quite a lot of us were questioning Michael McFadden, um, who had a pre. Game to be honest, I don't know what he graded PFF, but I'd imagine it'd be pretty low. But you know, Thursday night, he, he had a bit of a bounce back game. Um, you know, he was, his name was constantly mentioned in commentary. Uh, and he finished the game with 10 tackles, four of them for a loss and a quarterback hurry. Um, he did have three missed tackles on the night, but like I say, when you can compare what that was to on Sunday night against Arizona, it's an improvement. And uh, spoiler, we might be talking a little bit more about Michael McFadden shortly. Um, Another player who had a disappointing showing last week as well uh, was DJ Davidson. Um, and for us, I know, I know on here we mentioned it as well, we were quite surprised when he was getting you know, the opportunities over Jordan Royley because we felt Jordan Royley, although he didn't do much in that week one game, when he did play, he he showed potential, flashed. Um, so, you know, DJ Davidson, I mean, I will say it's a good, good scene back on the field again. Another player who had an ACL last year, it feels like, was it four or six we had in total? Um, so, you know, it, it was good for him to see him back on the field and kind of be, being active and, and getting around a little bit. Um, you know, we had a pass back down, a quarterback hit and shared a sack with Leonard Williams. Um, and then he, he was also a part of the play that actually got Thibodeau, his first and the New York Giants' first sack of the season. Now, yeah, it was a coverage sack, which we could go into a little bit more if we wanted to. But, you know, bottom line, sack's a sack, end of. Um, you know, talk about Leo Williams as well. Um, he looked a lot, lot better than he had done the, the previous two weeks. He had four pressures, one hurry, two quarterback hits, that sack I've just mentioned. And he had four tackles for a loss as well. And then, obviously, big man himself, sexy Dexy, with four pressures. Um, all were hurries, along with the four tackles, at three of which were for a loss. And then, you know, finally, man that maybe some of us thought we might have cut or moved on from in the off-season, and that's uh, the Scottish hammer, Jamie Gillen. Um He's inconsistent at times and, you know, would we like to upgrade that position? Maybe so. But, you know, he's averaging 52.7 yards of punt and getting improved hang time. And, you know, you've got to say, kind of credit where it's due. Fair play to him. Um, so you know, some some players had up and down performances, and obviously individually, we've all chosen our player of the games for Thursday night football against San Fran. But Craig, who did you choose for your player of the game? Who stood out for you? So uh, spoiler alert, as it
2: appears on the screen, uh, Leonard Williams was my my player of the game. Um, he was disappointing the first two weeks and from a personal perspective looking at uh, looking at Big Cat I've got his 99 legacy jersey and I also picked him to potentially be the defensive MVP for the team this year so I kind of assumed that in a in a contract sort of year he, he might take the step up um, and really show what he can do and be that kind of game wrecker that Gettleman said he was going to be when when we signed him but he really hadn't shown it but he, he just looked more hungry this week. There just seemed to be something about him where he just almost like I'm sick and tired of people doubting me and I'm going to go for it now. Um, and, you know, the stats really kind of say exactly what, what needs to be said. Four tackles all for a loss is absolutely what you want, especially seeing as they're going to all be run plays. A run is where we seem to be weakest at the moment. So for him to do that, he's kind of leading from the front, especially as a veteran. Um, And he split the sack. You know, we've only had two sacks so far this year, both in that game. And um, it was just nice for him to to have a bounce back game for me.
0: So I tried to take myself off mute. Done. anyone stood out for yourself? Who who did you pick for your player of the game this week?
1: So, for me, it had to be Michael McFadden. Um, you know, the fact he had the absolute shocker against Arizona, which we spoke about last week. He turned it around. He had a, you know, overall, really a, a great game. Yesterday we had three missed tackles, um, which wasn't great. But he showed hustle from start to finish across... Um, across you know both defensive and special team snaps, I thought he uh, he played really really well on the defense. Um, like I said, ten total tackles, nine for um, nine on the solo, and four for a loss. So between him and Big Cat, that's tied for the lead in the league this season, having four tackles for loss in a single game. Um, so he, he's he gone from sort of like zero to hero in the space of four days. You know, 60 total snaps on offense, and I think it was 18 on special teams. Also, how we had 28 team special team snaps in a game, I will never know. But, you know, he, he his hustle across defense and special teams was, was really quite impressive. Um, it's the most tackles for loss, but again, for him and Big Cat, the most tackles for loss by a giant defender since 2013. So in the last 10 years, we haven't had a defender that had more than three tackles for loss in a game. we got two that had four in this game. So it's a sign of things that are improving on defence a little bit, but at the same time, you know, the score really didn't say much to do with that. But, you know, he just impressed me across the game, like I said, on, de- on defence, on special teams. But his stand-up play was that, um, for me, that huge tackle he had on Christian McCaffrey uh, in the red zone. Uh, and he also made a great play on coverage uh, again, again against Christian McCaffrey um, to stop him from scoring a touchdown. Um, so yeah, for me, CMC, um, the fact that he was such a a huge weapon in this game, and, and Michael McFadden took him down on those two plays and stopped him from scoring, um, and yeah, just impressed me across the whole game. So he is my player of the game. What about you, Craig? Well,
2: I'm gonna I'm now going to go through Kev's. Uh, seeing as as he's obviously away, but he has told us, um, and he's gone for Jamie Gillen. And as you know, Shane covered in uh, in the the previous section. He is inconsistent. He does frustrate as much as he delights. But I think you always have to give credit where credit's due. And on a you know in a game where we really needed him to kind of force the 49ers to to beat us with good long sustained drives. He was one of the only ones who actually really performed and did his job. I think um Gano probably deserves a shout out as well. Uh special teams from our specialists, our three specialists have actually been relatively good this year. Um, and yeah hopefully it continues because Giants fans want to like Gillen and obviously from a podcast perspective He's Scottish, so we want to love Gillen. We, you know, we, we want to. And if he continues to play like he did last week, I mean, we will do. I mean, 52.7 um, yards per average kick is phenomenal on six punts to make sure that he's, he's popping them in deep. He did have one inside the 20 as well. And a 60 long is exactly, exactly what you want. And I don't know if it was just me, but he seemed to have a bit better direction on his punts, they weren't as aimless. It was, all, it was almost like he'd he'd learned that he needed to start placing them into better positions for our our other special teamers to to make plays. So, um, so yeah, that was Kev's. Um, and then I guess it's full circle as I bat it back to Shane for for his. Yeah. So for
0: me, I went for. Um... Sexy Dexter, and it's kind of two reasons as to why one of them is cheating. I think, like, through the first three weeks, he's actually been quite consistent, and he's been that one consistency on that D-line, to be honest with you, Whether the likes of Big Cat and Thibodeau and whether it's been Aziz or Jihad Ward or whoever's been on the, the other pass rusher, he's the, been the one who's been consistent. And, you know, he stats there, four pressures, four QB hurries, four tackles, three tackles for loss and he had zero missed tackles as well. So, he, you know, like I've, I've mentioned, I think I've been on the last pod or the one before, about how he's, you know, slowly, not slowly, but like he's showing he's earned that contract. You know, you'd expect some players to get the big money contract and just sort of drop off, you know, not, 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 on him essentially, but like Leo Williams, he got his big contract and then the, the numbers did drop off a little bit. Um, and you know, yet Dex isn't getting the, the sacks, but as a nose tackle, he shouldn't be expected to, but you know, he's still getting those pressures, he's he's not having many missed tackles. So, like I say, for me, he's just been quite consistent over these last three weeks.
1: Yeah, he has been almost like Mr. Consistency, hasn't he? Um, you know, we've not really picked out anything. Bad that he's done. Uh, he's not. He's not been on the sort of on the far, in the firing line. He's not been on the hot seat these last three weeks. And you know he has consistently shown why he why he deserves that new contract. You know, and deserves the money to be paid. Um, but yeah, great choice. I think Dexter Lawrence was. He had. A, he had another. Him. He had another good game as well. Um, so you know, there was there were quite a few defensive players that had a good game. But it's it's quite telling that you know. Kev picked uh, Jamie Gillen as his player of the game and the rest of us went with a, a defensive player because you know, it just says that we didn't really do much on offence, doesn't it, really?
2: And if you, if you look at the poll, um, and apologies, the poll went up late just because of the fact that it's been a short amount of time and work and other commitments have kind of got in the way. But um, if you still want to vote for who's going to be the big blue UK and Ireland follower player of the game, then you can choose between the four options on our Twitter account. At the moment, there's been 28 votes. Mm -hmm. Um, Leonard Williams uh, only has 4%, which um, my maths is correct, is one vote. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, 21%. Jamie Gillan, 29%. Um, So, you know, one of the higher options, but Mika McFadden does look like he's kind of running away with it, 46% of the vote at the moment um, for him. Nice.
0: So it's like Big cat's got one vote.
2: One vote.
0: Is that you?
1: Do you know what it actually was? It actually was, <laughs> it actually get, in. was me. get in, get in. Love that. But um, yeah, punters are people too, you know. Uh, and he had he had a great game. I thought Jamie Gillen had a solid game, probably one of the best games he's had in, in a Giants jersey. And like you said, he got a lot more direction on his punts, and he he seemed to down his punts uh, a lot deeper in the in the te- in um San Francisco territory so you know there was a couple of returns that went for a few yards but his uh, overall performance was pretty decent i thought but you know get voting on the get voting on the poll and uh, tom- i think it ends tomorrow doesn't it so we'll uh, we'll have a result on that tomorrow John uh, and Steve, better learn how to tackle by playing espn nfl 2k5 2k5, 2K5? is that right I mean, the tackling was. It will be. I mean, we'll come. We'll, we'll we'll come on to the tackling at any second now because producer Craig's the bearer of bad news again this week. So, uh, what went wrong for us, Craig?
2: Well, I don't know. First, I'm just going to ask uh, Shane about Steve's comment. There is that the new Giants legacy top there, Shane.
0: Nah, this this is something that's a little bit better.
2: <laughs> the the classic West Brom there is that. No,
0: 1978. No not that I was alive. <laughs> None of us were.
1: Got, an, once. got, another, once. Of, <laughs> got another Yeah, got another retro jersey though.
2: Right, right so yeah. bad. Yes. Bad news. Come on let's go Bad. Um, I'm getting used to this now. I, I don't know if I should do it. With the scowl, you know, or like, you know, a little bit of downtrodden. But um, right, offense. Let's start with the offense. We want to start with Jones, obviously, but. It's difficult, and unlike Twitter, where it's either you love Jones or you hate Jones and you just want to downtread Jones or you want to make him some kind of messiah who can't be touched, we don't want to do that because you can't do it from a top level. You need to look at everything else, and there's too much to factor in. So let's get that out of the way, and then we can talk Jones. Can
1: I just just Mm. say that the loss of this game is no way in any way shape or form daniel jones's fault no simple simple
0: we are the paid, we paid? <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
2: right no. so let's start with everyone's favorite then the offensive line so as you can see on the screen giants insider offensive pressures allowed 18 lemieux five pressures, one sack allowed. Um, I'm pretty sure he had one of the worst ever pass blocking grades. I think it was 3.2%. Azudu, four pressures allowed. Bellinger, one sack allowed. Now, remember that. We're going to come on to that a bit later, the one sack allowed, but it's not great. Now, the offensive line gave up Less sacks and less pressures to the 49ers than their previous two opponents did despite missing two starters. However, the Giants also only had 52 snaps on offense. That's 11 fewer than the Steelers had in week one and 28 less than the Rams had in week two. So the Giants' pass blocking grade overall in this game was the third worst league-wide since 2020 and the average time to pressure... On Jones was 2.2 seconds, which is worse than it was against Dallas. I mean, that says everything you need to know about this. Um, running game, non-existent. Again, Paul Breeders eight-yard touchdown, Ryan, uh non-existent. We ran the ball a total of 29 yards on 11 rushes. That is the Giants' second lowest amount of attempts in the Super Bowl era. The lowest was back in 1989. Shane, 1989? Nope. Nope. Please say. <laughs> nope. I would have won. Dan probably would have been one, two, depending on where, where the game was, what time.
1: Kev,
0: okay, okay.
1: he 22. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> that <is genius laughs> he's yeah, he's, he's, exactly. he's, he's, the old, he's the old man. He's fine. Um, just on, just on that though, I just want say so we mentioned Gary Brightwell in the in the good things about the game. Mm-hmm. So in the I think there was one drive that, that Brightwell came in a, instead of Breeder, and I think he had two really positive plays in that drive. If he was playing well in that drive, why do we not carry on with that? I, I don't that's,
2: get it. That's the thing, and if you think about eleven rushes as well, that means there was there was no zone reads. There was, I don't I, I don't actually know if there was many zone reads full stop in the entire game. And even after the game, when they were interviewing Nick Bosa, he was like, I can't believe, you know, that the Giants didn't try zone reads more. But then he kind of said, well, you know, we did prep for it and we were we were quite hot on making sure that we contained that. So whether that was something where Daves and Kafka kind of went, they're going to be expecting that, so we're not going to do it. But at some point when nothing else is working, You've got to try something, right? And they just exactly. they just abandoned abandoned that run game so quickly, like they did against Dallas, and never went back to it. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: anyway, sorry, Craig.
2: No worries. Even Darren Waller had one to forget. Really, um, three catches on seven targets, two drops, and one of them resulted in another interception. Um, Jones now has four interceptions on the season, uh, three of which have hit his receivers in the gloves. So. Not exactly ideal for a, a man who only had five. I think the entirety of last season. So very, very difficult to kind of blame him for those. But let's let's talk about Jones. Should he have done better on the throw to Waller on third down? I think we all know the play that I'm talking about. Yeah, probably he, he probably should. Now, if you watch, if you watch the replay of that 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 play, he does have two. I think it's linebackers or inter, you know in, in, internal rushes, essentially right in his face, and I can only imagine he's trying to kind of arc it over them, knowing full well that they could quite easily bat it away. But you know,
1: and the interception so that's the thing—he he's under so much pressure. Like, like mm. you said, two point two seconds, pressure apart—is how can you make that play in two point two seconds? It's it's not impossible.
2: Yeah. and... Um, you know, we've we've mentioned the aforementioned interception. I, I think it's very difficult to say it's a, it's definitely Waller's fault. If you look at the play, Waller it hit Waller kind of has it knocked out of his hands. It hits a player and just pings straight up in the air like pinball. I mean, it's very difficult. It's a freak play. It's very difficult to put that on anyone. The problem that we do have with Jones is there's no risks. Everything has to be safe. All of his receivers have to be clearly open for him to be able to take a shot. He doesn't. He, he. I don't know. Someone earlier on on Twitter turned around and said, maybe this is a Jason Garrett problem that Jason Garrett's just coached it into him so much that he needs to take safe plays that he just freezes whenever there's a there's a risk. But you know, he had Hyatt on a play where it was the only safety coverage, and Hyatt clearly had the step, and he just didn't take the drop, and he was. But again, he was flushed out of the pocket, so. You, Is it him? Is it, could he take the shot? Could he not? It's on the run. Is it a harder throw? There's a lot to bring into it, but he only had two passes of over 20 yards in the whole game and only six were longer than 10 yards. You you know, you're lying to gain. So his 69% passing completion looks nice on paper, but it's 4.3 yards per attempt. And that's the problem. 4.3 yards per attempt is something that you'd look at from a running back and think, wow, that's amazing. But from a quarterback throwing, not for me. Yeah, um, man.
1: And and also, I just want to add as well, the fact that we just could not extend drives, you know, it got to, it to third down and we'd be, it'd be third and long and we wouldn't make it. And it, 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 we'd end up punting it away. You know, our third down conversion rate was, I think we had three of 12 on third down. that, that That's just yeah. not good enough.
2: No, it's not. And, Third down was also an issue um, when it comes to the defence. I mean, the 49ers faced 16 third downs um, against the Giants. They converted 56.3 or 9 of those third downs. In one drive, the Giants gave up a third and 15, a third and 13, and a third and five for a touchdown. That's one drive. And then they also had two penalties that converted third downs for them. So the defence were almost handing it to them. You know, two free conversions on third third and long because of penalties. Now, one of the penalties I'm not overly happy with. And we'll talk about the refs later because, man. But the one thing that Debo and CMC just shredded us on were screen passes. And that's because we couldn't tackle. So on third down, they've got the screen pass come in. We can't tackle. And bang, It's it's a... You know, they've able, been able to convert it. The other thing is missed tackles. <laughs> Let's go into the missed tackles. 16 missed tackles overall. Um, that's three each from McFadden, Trey Hawkins, Pinnock and Okereke, who was brought in to shore up our run defence. Two from bikini and one each for Banks and Thibodeau. Um, to put it into perspective how bad that is, that's 16 in one game. We had forty nine the whole of last season. We were one of the best teams, if not the best, in the league. Uh, we were already twenty eighth in the league for uh, missed tackles before the game, and I think it's now 29th.
1: I mean, after this weekend, we're going to be flat out last mm-hmm. on yep. that showing.
2: Now we covered this. We covered this last week. You know, but despite the poor numbers, the the big, on, on third down, the biggest issue is, is the missed tackles. So, is it technique? Is it coaching? Is it execution? Or is it is it just laziness? But Dan, you want to go for that one first?
1: I mean, I think it's a combination of all those, really. Um, you know, the coaches have to take some of the blame for the poor coaching. There's no two ways about it. They're the ones that... You know, when we're in camp, when we're in training, when we're in practice, they're the ones that the players are looking to for advice, for guidance, for help with their technique. Um, And for whatever reason, we're just not seeing the standard that we expect. We're not seeing the standard we saw last season. You know, like you said, si- si- you know, 49 missed tackles in the whole of last year. And we had 16 in one game. It's, Absolutely, completely unacceptable from a from a defense in this league to have that many missed tackles in a game, and not just in a game, but a game against one of, if not the best team in the league at the moment in San Francisco. You know, the score could have been a lot, a lot more one sided than it was. Um, and like I said off the off the bat, off the sort of when I first watched it, I thought, oh, okay, so the score sort of flattered the team a bit. But the, when I said the more and more I've seen of it, the more I just thought, actually, you know what, it's it's a fair result. And it probably could. It could have even been a lot worse than that. I think with poor coaching comes poor execution. Um, you know, the Niners just straight up ran through our defenders. It's almost like this. It, it comes to the defense, the, the defenders, and it's just ah, we'll let you go. Fine, you know, get the yards is fine. There, there was there was no effort, there. and it, and again it. It is laziness as well. The, the, the technique was poor, the execution was poor, and it did—it just looked lazy. Um, you know, don't make me wrong. There were some bright sparks on offense, like we—you know—we've all discussed our player. a game came from the came from the defense, so there were some bright sparks on there. But the missed tackles is just unforgivable. Um, and then you look on the, you know—you kind of understand when you're on the field for 40 minutes out of the 60 minutes of the game. You're going to be a bit tired, and you're going to get a bit lazy. But if you look at the snap count, there was only three, three players on the defense that played every single, every single defensive snap. So can you really use tiredness as an excuse? No, not really. It's, it it is laziness, and for whatever reason, they're just not not making the effort. It's like you're a multi-million pound, getting paid multi millions of dollars per year. You might be the worst paid player on the team. You're getting probably what nine hundred thousand dollars. You're still earning an absolute fortune. Make the damn tackle! Come on.
2: What about you, Shane? I mean, this we're not the only team missing a lot of tackles. I mean, we were twenty eighth, so there are other teams doing it. Is it is it something to do with us, or is it a league wide issue, or?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I went through all the all the stats earlier on. Um, the next nearest team to missed tackles is the Bears with 26. And then just behind that, you've got the Rams with 23 and the Lions and Bengals with 22 each. But the thing is, I think 29 flatters us because let's not forget week one, we had one missed tackle. But we get Dallas, great field position constantly. So they didn't have to drive so far. So I firmly believe that that 29 would probably be closer to the 35 mark in all honesty, if we hadn't kept giving Dallas the ball back. Like, I mean, obviously, we had the um, blocked field goal. There was interception. You know, there was, there was more things. I'm not going to keep going over those. But, you know, they had they had great field position every time they come on, on, the, on the field. So, I think that 29 does flatter us. But it's like, I think it's on the players because the, the, they were tackling fine last year. There was no issues with the tackling last year. Coaches aren't going to. I know coaches are going to, um, you know, try make some adjustments and that, but they don't, or well, they shouldn't be telling the player that, let's face facts, has been playing college, has been playing football probably from about the age of six, 10, 12, if they were late bloomers, you know, so then they know how to tackle, you know. I mean, you compare it to, to to our version of football, I know it's a different sport, but. You Don't change how you tackle, you know how you tackle. So for me, there's not much on the on the coaching. It's just down on the players. And I just, I just I don't know. I don't know if it's a concentration issue. I don't know if it's a can't be asked at the chewed or what, but like I, I still maintain some something's not quite right with it, right with this 2023 joints team at the minute. Don't know what it is, can't put my finger on it, but some, it's not right. We said the same thing, um, when we were on on our on on chat watching the Cardinals game at half-time last week, and we all agreed, Summit's not quite right. And then obviously you see how that come in and performed in the second half, and you thought, okay, maybe they've had a bit of an arse kicking all summer. But I just don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on what it is, and I don't know. If, I don't know, It could just be me being maybe a little bit paranoid or trying to make not make a story because I'm not I'm not trying to make a story, but like trying to make something that's not there. But to me, there's just something that's not quite right, and I can't. I can't figure out what it is and obviously it's even more difficult being at this side of the pond because we don't get to watch them live as much to see the way the players are conducting themselves on the side line. and, you know, it's it's all well and good standing on the side line, cheering the team on, getting the fans pumped up when you're winning or when you're about to chase down a a, a lead that the opposition shouldn't have had to begin with in the Arizona Cardinals. But I don't don't know, something's just not right at the minute and I, I don't know what it is. On on that
2: point, actually, um, Patricia Trainer put a. I'm just trying to find the tweet. She put it out last night, um, and it was kind. Of, she was saying like, "I don't know what it is about this team, but you're right. Something's you know something's off." And um, oh, here it is. Let me see. Let me give you. It. So she put, "Okay, folks, the Giants are one and two, which you uh, which you think a lot of people would have figured would have been their rest record at this point," and she's right but why, how concerned are you about what you've seen so far? And, and I sent a reply and I said, it's not the record that concerns me. It's that something feels off with the team. There doesn't seem to be a fire in the belly or a semblance of pride. And she said that she agreed. And that's a beat writer who attends all the games, you know, and she, Patricia's amazing. Like the stuff she puts out is absolutely fantastic. For, I think it's SI.com. She works for Giants country. Yeah. Um and for her to say, I agree to that is clear. And sorry, Dan, I'm going to kind of take something that I know you're going to speak about in a bit. But there's there's the injury to DJ Davidson, where I can't remember who it is from the 49ers. It's a goddamn disgraceful play, and he's, he's clearly out to injure our player. No one did anything. Like, no one did anything. Like, None of our yeah. players went, that's enough of that. Or even yeah. with the Trent Williams Sean Robinson incident that again we'll get into in a minute did you see anyone really react did no. they not did they wait, the camaraderie doesn't seem to be there and, and it is worrying and it's almost like they've uh, been told
1: it's almost like they've been told you can't react stay out of it don't get involved don't get involved in trouble on the field to keep it clean you know we can't get involved in shit like that it's like well no I'm sorry if someone's going to take you down and pretty much I mean he was in absolute fucking agony, DJ Davison coming off that field. I mean, holding his arm, and you watch the playback, and it's it's a it's a disgrace. It's an mm. absolute disgrace. I, I can't remember who the the San Francisco player that was that done it, but mm. shocking. Um, but as as a as a teammate, you you know, any one of us, if that was our teammate, we'd be fucking standing up for him. We'd be right up in the face of the player. You know, we we'd be straight on their straight on their ass. So, yeah, there's, there is, I completely agree with both. There is something that is not right about this team this year. And whatever it is, we really need to fucking iron it out soon and quickly. Because if it, if it carries on and we keep, keep that sort of thing going throughout the rest of the season, it's going to be a lost cause and it's going to be end up being a lost season at the end of this, at the end of it.
0: And just to convert, just to clarify, like, for anyone who's listening, we're not trying to, like, Stir a pot. We, we we understand it's three weeks in and it, it looked like crazy. It's not the results that are concerning. It, you know, we, we, if we're honest, we expected one and two. We'd like two and one. We we, we all fans just to beat Dallas. We didn't perform the not alarm bells, but you know, after that game, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll put it down to a bad day. Sunday night football, torrential rain, just a bad day at the office. That's been it off. But then the way that started that Arizona game. And then, I mean, like, like, you know, I've seen people saying that the Giants competed on Thursday night. Giants didn't compete Thursday night. No disrespect to anyone who thinks that. But to me, I watched that. I watched the highlights. And I just thought San Fran were in second gear the whole way, occasionally going into third. If that had been a game, San Fran looked like they could easily have just knocked it up another two or three gears quite comfortably. So, like, for me, it wasn't a game. I think the score probably kind of flattered us a little bit, in all honesty, because we never. We never really troubled them, let, let's be brutally honest. At no point, I was watching the all at no point did I look at it and think, Ooh, we, we look we look good here or we stand a chance. So, you know, the yeah. eight's the three weeks in, and yes, we've probably played, let's be honest, two um two Super Bowl contenders. that you know, mm. I know what we say about Dallas, but Dallas have got a damn good roster, a real good roster. Um, I mean, they've
1: just had a massive hit this week this week though, with um Trayvon Diggs going down with the ACL. So that sucks for them, but
0: even then, they're, they're, of, their roster
1: is still, um, still bloody good.
0: Yeah, you know, they, they, so to, you know, we've lost to two Super Bowl contenders, and we're not trying to just make a story at anything. Mm. You know, I'm just saying, you know, what, what we feel at the minute. Um, but, you know, we've got 10 days now, and we've got 10 days to, like, like I said to you guys on Sunday night during the Arizona game, you know, get get to the training facility on Monday. All oh, about game type to begin with. If there, whatever, if there is an issue, I'm not saying that there is once again, but if there is, you've got ten days now to to basically sort your shit out. Yeah. If anyone's got any, if anyone's got any grumbles or grievances, just air them out and just get it out. Like, Summit, like I said, I don't know what it is. Summit's just not not particularly right. And you know, we've all we've all followed various sports for many years, and when we've said there's something not right, and then you know either a week or months or years down the line it comes out and it it's not something you can hide because fans and beat reporters and commentators can see it.
1: I mean like you, you see like um you know the mic'd up videos from, from the Arizona game and you see like the you know there is obviously some sort of team spirit they're obviously like in within their sort of own positional groups and whatever that's really it's really cool and it's it's great to see. But on the field that doesn't sort of translate onto the field. You don't see that sort of like you know togetherness and like you said, that fire and that sort of desire to to back your teammate and to be on. You know, it it just it, for whatever reason just doesn't seem to be there. This like a, you know. We, sorry, what?
0: Like eleven individuals. Yeah, absolutely on the field.
2: This is um. Yeah, I don't, I'm not comparing us to this team by any any stretch of the imagination if you remember the golden generation of the English football team yep, and it was all clicks wasn't it it's come out since that pre-rooney because apparently Rooney was the one who kind of brought everyone together pre-rooney the Man United guys would sit with the Man United guys and the Liverpool guys and all of that and you know it's a very very different environment in the NFL but I do wonder if there's a little bit of kind of, you know, your linebackers stick with your linebackers and your defensive linemen stick with your defensive linemen. And maybe that's causing some issues there. I mean, we're all speculating. And as I said, I'm not comparing the Giants to the golden generation of English football for any of our American listeners. Uh, this will mean absolutely nothing to you. Um, but, but
1: no, I completely, completely agree, though. Completely agree. And it's just just something just is not right. Is not right. But maybe, I just wanted to add Maybe well. that should
2: be the um maybe that should have been our uh subject of the next uh <laughs> the next section rather yeah. than what we've, one, what we've one, been
1: doing. One last one last thing I just wanted to add on the defensive side of things. We faced 39 third downs on defense so far this season. We've allowed we we've allowed the opposing team to convert 19 of those 39. That's almost a 50% conversion rate on third down. Unacceptable. Is that is that missed tackles? Is that poor defensive play calling? Is that what? What is that? It's just anything,
2: it's, isn't it? It's just everything. It's a bit of everything. And as we've gone through it, it needs to change.
1: Yeah, it's shocking. But yeah, so we've we've seen the good. We've seen the bad. Producer Craig, what time is it? What the feegles? That's right. What the feagles. Uh... And this week it is a doubleheader. Uh, first off, it's first down, the Giants at the Giants 10 following uh, 49ers punt. Now, someone clearly, clearly did give Daniel Bellinger the memo that his blocking assignment is the highest paid defensive player in league history, Nick Bosa. Um, because, I mean, it's not just that he didn't get the memo, it's that he didn't even line up opposite him and he just runs through. Nick Bosa has a gaping chasm to run through. Uh, Daniel Jones is faking the hand off to Breeder, and he's met by an untouched number ninety-two, almost taking him down for a safety. But obviously, he goes down. I think it's at the, the one or the two yard line, which led to us punting the ball away for a three and out. And I mean, you watch that play and you think, what What is Daniel Bellinger doing? What he's clearly not got that memo that that ninety-two is his assignment for that play, surely. That's 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 gonna be a, a, a communication error or something because that's what the Fegels. Daniel Bellinger, come on, man. So I
2: still I still think we're lucky not to get away with the safety there, you know.
1: I mean, I, I thought that at the time. I thought it was a safety, but Sorry, Shane, he was apparently down at, he was apparently down at the one or two yard line or something.
0: So I mean look, just following on from the conversation we just had for the last five minutes. Now why is either Evan Neal not looking to his right and saying, Yo, Dan? Dan with <laughs> Or most on. importantly, why is the quarterback who's about to get the ball not looked up and gone, Oh shit, he's gonna come straight through and call an audible or something? But what yeah. why is nobody saying to Danny Bellinger you fucking—he's not even the right side of him. Like, even if no. even if you don't, don't want to line up opposite him, that's fine. But at least take the inside. But he's on the outside. Someone's got to look at that, whether it's the offensive line or Daniel Jones or the running back or even a wide receiver who's fifteen yards to his right. I don't know if there was one, but you know, someone's got to look at that and say, "No, no, no, we can't go here because this is not going to end well."
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can blame it all on Dan Bellinger, but it what the feagles is all I'm gonna to say to that. Shocking. Alright now our second What the feagles moment of the game is it's for the game's officiating staff because you know we we briefly sort of alluded to it earlier but following that Brock Purdy kneel down to seemingly end the first half there's that a scuffle between Ashawn Robinson and uh, and Trent Williams. Flags are flying things getting heated uh, Robinson is being ushered away by the, by his teammates. We watch the replay and we see this. Now, I'm sorry, league officials, your excuse to say that you you don't have obvious evidence that that is a closed fist. How much more evidence do you need that that is a closed fist? Because how you can't determine that... It, it's it's not it's not a slap. It's a clear punch. It's a clear punch to the face mask of Aishon Robinson. Yes, Robinson obviously gets up a you know sort of an, a little extra push on the other offensive lineman, but um, there is no no excuse for that at all. And it's not just that, but there is an official right there, literally right there, that can see exactly what has happened. So how that's not called uh, as a, as a flagrant blatant. Punch in the face. I don't know, and he should have been ejected from the game straight straight up. Should have been ejected from the game. And I said earlier, there's one reason he's not ejected from the game. That's because he's Trent Williams. I mean, and that's not to mention that bullshit roughing the passer call on Big Cat. This one as well. I mean, I'm sorry. What is it? I get. I get. He's landed with his full body weight on the on the quarterback. Get that. But He's a three hundred plus pound man running downhill, running full speed at the quarterback. How are you meant to stop yourself and hold yourself back from landing on top of him? It's impossible. I mean, that's and again, that's that's a bullshit call. And then also the one the bullshit call on on Tibbs for illegal contact on George Kittle. Again, that was another awful, another awful call that should never have been flagged. Because yeah, it's a push. But it's not as if it's an aggressive push. It's just a little tiny little push off. That's come on. I mean, it's not a illegal contact. Um, the, I think the the officials had a lot to answer for, and they had an absolute shocker. Um, so Sean Hockley and your crew, what the feegles, man. And it, yeah, Darius, I agree with you. Not roughing the passer at all. Um, but how did Bellinger? And the offence get it so wrong. And also the officials get it so wrong on both of those, Shane. We kind of talked about about Bellinger, but how do the officials get it so wrong?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to touch on the, on the Bellinger the because obviously we've, we've mentioned that. But I mean, with the officials, there's no excuse. Like, I mean, OK, I'll, I'll ignore the roughing the passer call on Big Cat, just for the simple reason. It's rough in the passer by what they're setting it up for. The, the counter-argument is, well, where's he meant to land? Exactly. Gravity. And this isn't a big cat thing. This is, I mean, you see at least once a week in the NFL, you get a, a, a rough in the passer call like that. And it's like, I can understand I can understand why you're calling it a rough in the passer. No problem. Call it that. But what do you expect the player to do? That can't help where where they land. If you want them to tackle, what do you, where, where do they land at the end of the day? It's a
1: contact sport.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but then in, in regards to the A-Sean and the uh, Trent Williams one, there's, there's no excuse for me. And th- there's one simple reason. So you mentioned there's an official right there. It, to me, it looks like the official comes from behind. So maybe he's not had a good view of it. He, his view obstructed. So I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for that. But there are I don't know, 30, 40, 50 different cameras at an NFL game. People are constantly watching that, you know, you've got the, um, I don't know what their version's called, their, their VAR version. Like there's, there's a referee somewhere that's going to be watching things.
1: It's in, it's in the video booth, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the, the video booth. So, you know, I'll, I'll give the official the benefit of the doubt that maybe, maybe it was obstructing his view. I don't know if it was, but it just looks like it potentially could. But there's no excuse for the, the booth. Not to turn in and say you need to take a look at this. Or, and it's yeah, in look.
1: the and it's in the final two minutes, so yeah. all in the final two minutes of the half, all all plays are reviewing the booth, right? So I, I don't know
0: who it wasn't. E- even if it's not one of them, it surely, surely you're going to say, look, like if, if you're the ref, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, Dan, just so you know, Trent Williams has just pushed a Sean. I don't, I don't know what excuse they've caught. I, I I have seen that come out and explain it, but to be honest, I was. I just thought, I can't be asked with you, your bullshit excuse.
1: <laughs> I love that, Steve. Maybe Howard Webb was in the booth.
0: I'll tell you what would be good, actually, like going off on a slight tangent. If you ever watch Sky Sports News on a Monday morning, they have something called Ref Watch with Derna hmm. Gallagher, and he explains right. it. And, of course, the referees are right 98% of the time. It'd be good if the NFL did something like that, like, say, on GMFB on a Monday morning, or or a Tuesday yeah. after Monday night football, and they had like uh, Dean Blandino come
1: out and explain why these decisions were made. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Leave your NFL yeah. network if you're listening. There's an <laughs> for that. On, Could be on to a winner there. How do you reckon they got it so wrong, Craig? Come on, what was it? Um, was?
2: I mean, I'm just going to bring up a comment from, from Darren here where he says, roughing the passer is such a BS penalty because there's no nuance to it. It's totally black and white. How's a unit of a player supposed to go full pelt and stop in midair like Wildy Coyote after the ball's been launched? And he's absolutely nailed it there. I think the biggest problem is on. is the interpretation of the rule is very much dependent on the referee. So and, and, it's and like this the, is like and the
1: interpretation this... of the offside rule isn't it? It
2: is it it is but even even worse okay. um then again VAR hasn't helped that but that's a that's another conversation no, for another day. That's a conversation day. for another day exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um,
2: when it comes to a lot of the tackles in in the NFL I think that there's interpretation with with a lot of it like helmet to helmet I'm pretty sure I see helmet to helmet at least three four times per game that isn't called on the field and it's and it's it's either got to do with the speed of play where the referees are positioned or interpretation of the rules and that's the problem when you don't lay things out in black and white is there's always going to be one person who says yeah it's rough in the passer and one who says no now if you look at the big cat one and then you compare it to, let's say, the Dexter Lawrence one against Minnesota last year in the playoffs, then the Big Cat one is a hell of a bit, you know, hell of a bigger hit than the Dexter Lawrence one. They've both been flagged for it. There's a very, very distinct difference between the two. And you could probably say that it makes the Dexter Lawrence one look even worse now because we're contending yeah. that the, the Big Cat one is not, uh, not an issue. <laughs> it's really difficult. And... Um, I saw a really, really good tweet from the Giant Insider because they just come up with good stuff all the bloody time. But they turned around earlier and they said, this is always going to be an issue until there is a BS call that is going to be 50-50 in the Super Bowl and it decides a Super Bowl. And that's when officiating will turn around and go, yeah, we need to look at this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Or they miss a call and someone gets seriously injured or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, but no, I just the officials. I mean, as Darius said, the refereeing was inconsistent the whole game, it was, it was, it was poor. And I mean, Sean Hockley's got a you know, a, a good role model to learn from his dad, Ed, you know, leg- legend of, a, of an NFL referee going back, can you? But he just, him and his crew had a really poor game, um, and they missed a they missed quite a few calls and they called a few that didn't need to be called, so yeah, just. Just not good. Anyway, we won't dwell too much on the uh, referee and performance or anything like that. But you know, we've got a lot to look forward to next week. Hopefully, Touchwood. Um, but unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this week, um, and for this evening as well. We will be back uh, next week, next Friday, I believe, after our mini bye week that we're having. Nice, we have. A nice can have a nice few days off uh, to relax. And it's Thursday or Friday. I can't remember.
0: Thursday because I think I'm not on and I can't do Thursday for do Friday that's why I'm pretty sure we've said it's Thursday so I think Kev's the opposite to me
2: we'll post it we'll post it on social we'll have some yeah. internal discussions about when
1: one of the two one of the two but we'll be back next week to uh, preview our third primetime game in four weeks as we uh, welcome the Seattle Seahawks to MetLife Stadium on Monday Night of Football uh, we really need to turn that recent primetime misfortunes around, like I said, 1-11 over the last 12 games, so we need to start making some waves in uh, under the primetime lights, that's for sure. Uh, anything else to add before we go, guys? No,
0: nah, just uh, obviously three episodes in five days. It's been, it feels quite intense, um, but yeah, you know, it's um, football's back. It might not be the football we wanted, but it is back at the end of the day, and you know, looking forward to, to Monday night football and kind of ourselves getting on a mini boy a little bit like the Giants.
2: Yeah, it does feel, you know, I totally get what you mean there, Shane. It's kind of been you know, thick and fast, doesn't it? And it, it's it's quite easy to get overwhelmed in Giants' Twitter and all the opinions and videos and overanalyze. And I think it will be good just to take a few days just to kind of chill it out and, and come back with a clear head because... Let's be honest, it hasn't been the nicest of starts and it hasn't been the easiest of starts to talk about. Um, it's, you know, as much as we love doing this pod, sometimes it can be quite difficult to relive stuff again and again and again and you just want to switch off and you can't do it. But, um, you know, let's see what the rest of the season brings. One and two now. Who knows what it will be by the time we get get towards, you know, our New York trip in November.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Look, you know, I'm looking forward to Monday night football. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think it'll be a good game against Seattle, but there's a there's a lot of work that needs doing by by the coaching staff over these next ten days. Um, and it's it's going to be nice to sit back and relax on Sunday evening and just chill out and watch a bit of Red Zone. Um, mm. I mean, I'll be I'll be at work, but Red Zone will be on in the corner. Don't don't worry about that um but yeah so it'll be nice to have a little bit of time off and relax but looking forward to getting back into it next week as well so can't wait for that as i'm sure you can't you guys can't either um if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell for the latest updates and notifications check out usasports.co.uk like i said earlier on uh get the code big blue UK in there and you get 15 percent off your entire order and also head over to our etsy shop etsy.com forward slash big uk irl and to get your hands on some podcast merch. My thanks as ever go to Shane and to producer Craig for joining me and to you, the viewers and listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off. Until next time, let's go, Giants.